You're listening to the serial podcast production of Hidden Things, written and read by Doyce Testament. This is episode 15, brought to you by Kickstarter backer Jack Julik. Chapter 11 I'm going to make you a deal, Ficus said. Calliope flinched at the words. The morning light shone through the frost-crusted glass of the front windshield, burning at her gritty eyes as she sat in the driver's seat and waited for the gas to finish pumping. They had spent what was left of the night in a different cheap motel in different double-bed rooms. Calliope's night hadn't been either long or restful, and she still felt edgy and tense. She glared at Vicus's puzzled look. What? He continued staring at her, then shook his head and let his gaze drop. Nothing. You just... Nothing. <clears throat> he cleared his throat. So, I have a deal to make with you. I don't like deals much right now. You'll probably like this one. What is it? Vicus pulled back his hood, revealing the pasty skin of his face in the morning light, in order to make eye-to-shiny-black-eye contact. Give us about five hours of driving, and we can crash in a decent place for the rest of the day and night. Calliope automatically opened her mouth to protest, then paused and conceded. That actually sounds pretty good. Vicus nodded. I know someone who can help us out a little. We won't be making ourselves late or something? Ficus laid a hand on his chest. Trust the guide. Calliope jerked her head in agreement. Okay, we can... She cut herself off and peered at Vicus. Wait, what's the other part? Vicus blinked, his eyes wide, which in no way lent him an air of innocence. What do you mean? Deal means I have to do something in return. You won't mind. It's easy. Calliope's bloodshot eyes did not suggest trust. It's something we need to do anyway. I just want you to get some rest, all right? Vicus started to pull his hood back up, but paused halfway. All right, trust the guide. The pump handle release thumped from outside the cab, and the electronic display began to beep faintly. Calliope looked over her shoulder at the pump, then back to Vicus. Fine. She pushed open the door and swung out of the seat. As long as I can sleep for a while. You and Mr. White both work in the same detective agency, Miss Jenkins? Calliope is sitting in a chair in Lauren's office again, the glare through the office window turning both men into silhouettes. Only Special Agent Walker's eyes stand out, shining like lozenges of silver. Yes. I see. Do you know the nature of this case? Josh handled this one from the beginning. I only knew he was flying out of town, not where, and I knew when he thought he'd get back. I can check the office for records, but I think he had all of them with him when he left. You are familiar with the area Mr. White was found in? Yes. Was Mr. White? Not really. Had he been in the region before? When he was a kid, with his younger brother, yeah. Then, once, later, 
Don't ask, don't ask, don't ask, don't. What was the nature of that later visit? Miss Jenkins? He... I took him there. For a case? No. It was personal. You took him to meet your family? Yes. Did they like him? No. Did they like you? Walker is smiling now, and his teeth glitter out of the darkness of the office. What? Does your family like you? They don't, do they, Miss Jenkins? No. Uh, yes. Which is it? They don't like... Some things. Didn't. Don't. I, I don't know. Are they going to like your new boyfriend? The clown? He's not my boyfriend. He's... Will they like him? They don't know him. But you do. You've known the clown a long time, haven't you? No. Haven't you? She is standing at the very top of the blocky jungle gym. It's her favorite place to stand because she can see so much of the playground, and everyone can see her. She's standing at the very top, on the little block of bars that sits on top of a larger block. Joshua is at the other end of the playground, playing Red Rover with the other kid. That's not right. Josh can't be here. We didn't know each other. She's singing. It's her favorite thing to do, and she likes it very much. It makes her feel good and strong and warm. She can see Joshua is climbing up the jungle gym to her. He's shouting something at her, but Calliope just sings louder so that she doesn't have to hear it. Josh keeps climbing, keeps getting closer, and finally Calliope can hear him shouting to stop, to stop singing, to let someone else on top of the jungle gym. Calliope gets mad. She wants to keep singing. It's the only thing she has, wants to do. She reaches out with her foot and shoves, and Josh falls back away from her. Too far, right out over the edge of the big block and down to the ground. He lands funny, and when Calliope looks down, she can see a big, sharp, white thing poking out of his arm, and the skin curls back on both sides of the white thing like sheets of old paper. That must be bone, Calliope thinks. But she keeps singing, keeps singing and doesn't come down until a teacher pulls her right off the jungle gym and carries her back to the school. Across the playground, outside the fence, Calliope sees a man watching her be carried away. And it makes her feel bad. He looks familiar. So very familiar. Calliope is sure she would know who he was if his hood wasn't up. She can still see his shiny eyes, though, shining out of the hood, the same way walkers shine in the dim light of Lauren's office. So familiar. You see, Miss Jenkins, you've known the clown a long time. No. Haven't you? No, that wasn't me. That didn't happen to me. It happened, but it wasn't me. Someone told me about that happening. The pushing, the falling, all of that. Really? It was... She frowns. She can almost remember. It wasn't me. Calliope jerked awake. Calliope? A knock on the door. Calliope! She looked around the room, wide-eyed and trying to make sense of the strange, non-motel surroundings. Calliope! 
Yeah. Her mouth tasted like something evil had died in it. Yeah, I'm up. I thought we could go do this thing in a little bit. Calliope blinked, still groggy. What thing? She called back. The deal. Remember the deal? Vicus sounded as though he were at least trying to be patient. Right, she said to herself, then called louder. Right, give me a few. She sat up on the edge of a twin bed Vicus's friend had made up for her. So familiar. The thought clung to the back of her mind, but Calliope couldn't remember why. You, uh, you sleep all right. You get, uh, a good, uh, nap? Calliope smiled across the small table at their host. He was only a few inches taller than Phagos, but when it came to the man Vicus had introduced as Gershon, all similarities to the vicious old man from the diner ended there. Their host moved around the room like a duck that had swallowed a bowling ball. His dark olive complexion was leathery, and his body sprouted tufts of wiry gray hair from any number of unlikely places. When he spoke in his worn and crackling voice, he paused frequently, struggling to think of the correct word and waving one or both of his hands around in random patterns, as if the perfect phrase were a mosquito he could swat out of the air and quickly pop in his mouth. I slept very well. Thank you. Calliope smiled and lied with equal ease. I'm glad that Vicus knew someone nearby who was so caring and helpful. Oh, <laughs> you are, uh, kind, I think. The older man chuckled, obviously pleased, and reached back for a steaming pot on the stove, lifting it by its bare wire handle and carrying it over to the table. I, uh, make the coffee? You? He raised the pot by way of an offer. Calliope smiled and meant it this time. Yes, please. He chuckled. <laughs> you kids and your uh, coffee, eh? Always go, go, go. He poured. The powerful scent washed over Calliope as she raised the cup. It smells strong. She took a careful drink and grimaced, though she tried not to. It is strong. She smiled at his concerned look. It's all right. I like it strong. Gershon smiled. Ah, that's good. Vikush wanted you uh, uh, bright-eyed for the uh, visit my club, no? Calliope took another sip from the cup. I guess so. Gershon nodded, his thoughts obviously elsewhere. He, uh, Vikush. His thick accent turned the name into Vikush. He is a good, uh... Gershon said some word Calliope couldn't quite understand. You are lucky, uh, I think. Calliope shook her head. I'm sorry, I don't know that word. Gregory? Grigory? Is that his name? Another nickname for him? Gershon waved his hand as though to brush aside a fly. Oh, not uh, Gregory. He's, uh, his old word I use. He paused for a second. It's also a wrong word made by people who did not understand the uh, things. But it's almost not too wrong. Means, he frowned, staring into the middle distance as though trying to read the word he wanted from the wall behind Calliope. A guide, she suggested. He turned back to her and smiled broadly. Ah, guide, is, he tapped the table soundly with one hairy knuckle. He's close enough, I think. 
He glanced at the clock. And I think we have to get going. Gershon turned back to her, peering at her face. Let me ask you something. He leaned in. You are, uh, okay with this? The, the, the club? Calliope raised an eyebrow. Well, it's not a strip club or something, is it? Gershon's eyes opened wide. After a moment's silence, he sat back in his chair, laughing and waving his hands back and forth. Calliope would have sworn he was blushing. Ah, a, a strip club with the... Uh, I... Uh, no, he chuckled again. No, no strip club. Not for Gershon. Not, uh, anymore. Calliope smiled. Then I guess I'm fine with it. Gershon searched her face, then slapped his hands against the tabletop and pushed himself upright. Okay, he said, and smiled. Calliope returned the smile and stood up, finishing the coffee in one bitter gulp. Gershon had continued talking. We, uh, we get the coat. Here you go. Would you like help with... Uh, no, you got it. Ladies today, get the coats. And Gershon gets, uh, my coat? He chuckled to himself and moved to the door that led out the back of the kitchen and into the side yard of his small house. And we have the door, which uh, you will have to let Gershon get because I am old-fashioned, and out we go, going to the club. He flipped off the kitchen lights and turned on the yard light for Calliope to see by. And we will get to uh, hear you sing, and uh, then we see what... Excuse me. Calliope turned fully around on the steps that led down from the door. Hear me what? Gershon's club was essentially a small bar with a fair number of open tables, some booths along the back wall, no dance floor, and a small stage about the size of a bathroom stall. Calliope looked over the sparse collection of college-age kids, thirty-somethings, and lonely singles fingering their drinks and watching the crowd. The stage was set up with a TV on one side, two mics, and a number of mismatched speakers a soundboard and playback unit set just to the side of the stage. This is a karaoke bar, Calliope said. Only on, uh, Saturdays, Gershon said as he eased past her and into the bar. Excuse me, I must see to the business. He smiled and roll-walked through the crowd, nodding to the bartender. Calliope turned to Vicus, standing next to her with his hood raised. This is a karaoke bar. Only on Saturdays, Vicus murmured. Calliope glared. You're not funny. This, she gestured to the bar, isn't funny. Ficus pushed his hood back and raised an eyebrow at Calliope. I'm not trying to be funny. He indicated the stage with his chin. This is something that I... We need to check. This is crap. Hey, what happened to trust the guide? Calliope snorted. The last time... She cut herself off abruptly. Ficus gave her a puzzled look. What? Nothing. She turned her attention back to the stage, moving out of the way of the entrance. Ficus looked around. It's just like any other karaoke bar. On the stage, a young man stepped up to the microphone and began a rendition of something that the screen next to him insisted was Jimmy Buffett. I've never been to a karaoke bar, Calliope growled. No kidding. He looked mildly surprised. I figured... You figured what? He nudged her in the direction of an open booth, moving through the tables with a dexterity that seemed impossible. Well, you sang in a band, right? 
Calliope rolled her eyes. I played drums first, but yeah, what's your point? She dropped into a seat and glared across the table. Do you know a lot of AAA baseball players who do local co-ed softball on the weekends? Vicus's eyebrows shot up. Nice attitude. You are hearing the sounds that guy is making right now, right? The bar's lone Saturday night waitress stopped at their table. That's Jerry, she said, pulling out a pad. You should have heard him do Henry VIII a few hours ago. He walked through the crowd. Calliope winced. Oh, God. I recommend a painkiller, the older woman murmured, and the boss says it's on the house, so go crazy. Strychnine, Calliope asked. The waitress shook her head. Only have a beer and wine, Lysis, honey. Sorry. Beer, then, Calliope replied. Whatever's on tap. Liquid bravery on the way. She gave Calliope a perfunctory smile and wove her way into the crowd without so much as a glance at Vicus. Calliope closed her eyes, speaking only after several seconds had passed. What exactly is the point of this? What am I supposed to do? She glanced back at the stage where Jimmy Buffett had been replaced by a foreigner ballad sung by a balding man in his mid-forties. If it's some sort of rite of passage in which I have to suffer through a gauntlet of pain and you thought this would be easier than cutting off a finger, let me tell you, I can spare a finger. Vicus's face was blank. I want you to sing. Why? Calliope turned back to him. Because I think it might matter, he said, his voice low and hard. People are interested in you, and it's not all about your dead friend. It's you. Do you know why? Calliope shook her head. Vicus handed her a piece of paper. Then you can sing. If I'm completely wrong, the worst thing that happens is Gershon gives you free food and drinks, and you have to hear a pair of newlyweds sing Endless Love. Calliope frowned at Vicus, then glanced at the paper. What's this? Vicus turned back to the stage, where a girl in her 20s was leading the crowd through My Guy. You have to write down the songs you want to do. I picked out ones I thought would... No. Calliope held up her paper so Vicus could see it and pointed. Me and Bobby McGee? Mickey? Are you cracked? What's wrong with... Vicus cut himself off. The song list is on the bar. Big book. Can't miss it. Was there any Green Day? Calliope asked. I didn't... Vicus began, his voice starting to rise, then caught sight of Calliope's expression. Okay, now you're just screwing around. Were you joking about the newlyweds? Vicus snorted. Count yourself lucky you slept as long as you did. Saved you from the warm-up performances. The waitress dropped off a mug on her way to a large table. Calliope ignored it and looked around the club. Okay. Okay to what? I guess I'll go check out the song list. Vicus's expression was neutral as he toyed with the plastic rapier sticking out of the cherry in his drink. You could do that. Calliope stood. Vicus watched her go, his mood not at all helped by the woman starting I Say a Little Prayer on the stage. It normally would have been about an hour before they got to Calliope's first turn at the microphone, but Gershon spoke to the young man running the soundboard, and within twenty minutes, she heard her name called. She moved through the crowd on heavy feet. There were no stage lights to speak of. Half the people she'd seen so far hadn't even gone up to the stage, simply standing at their tables as they sang. The closeness of the room made her unusually aware of the dozens of pairs of eyes watching her. 
It had been two years since she had performed, and every familiar element, the murmur of the crowd, the hiss of the open mic, even the simple act of stepping up onto the humble stage, dumped adrenaline into Calliope's system. She pulled the mic to her and looked over the nearest patrons. Hi. She tried to smile. The sound wasn't set up so she could hear her voice as it came through the system. To Calliope, it sounded as though the mic was off. In the back of the room, she could see Vicus, his hood still pulled up. At that moment, she hated him. Hated the bar, and hated herself for agreeing to do anything this ridiculous. The music began without warning or signal, and Calliope started in surprise, glanced at the smaller video screen angled in her direction, and decided to get it over with. With nothing to lose, Calliope sang. At the end of the night, no one could remember the songs the girl from out of town had sung. The first one they were able to say was angry. Or maybe she was, but one way or the other, that was what they remembered. When she was done, everyone sat there for a second, long enough for her to make it halfway through the tables before they started clapping. They hadn't waited all that long, but she had nearly run from the mic when she finished up. The applause had stopped her cold. They remembered that, too. When they called her second song, someone had started clapping while she was still walking up to the stage. That had made her smile. They recounted that and smiled to themselves when they talked about it, warmed by the remembered fondness. The second song had been slow. Slow and sad. Some of the women had cried. Nearly, anyway. Everyone had clapped when she was done. The third time, people started clapping when the sound guy called her name. Her name? No one was quite sure. The little weird guy who ran the club said he didn't know. People had stood up the third time. Some had tried to dance. That they remembered. No one could say what happened after that. The girl stayed on the stage and sang for, well, till just about the end of the night, but she was gone afterward, before anybody could stop her. And she hadn't come back. People still talked about her every Saturday night when they got the song list and the microphones out. They said she sang her soul, and their eyes were far away, remembering. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hidden Things Audiobook Podcast. This DRM-free production was made possible by the Hidden Things Audiobook Kickstarter backers and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 license. As always, watch out for the hidden things.